covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Wednesday Rewind. I am one of the two hosts, Jim Bernier, alongside me, 900 miles north of me, Zach Kyleman. How are we doing, man? Good to, good to see you again. Uh, exciting week of action uh, across many leagues. Actually, as you can hear, my voice is jacked up. I was in uh, Birmingham for the United States Football League, uh, but I did, do, I did, of course, got to keep up with the NAL. I mean... Uh, every week is, of course, amazing football. Um, and I mean, hey, jam-packed two games. Uh, we saw our first 70 burger of the season drop this year. Um, thought we were really gonna press 80 there for a second, but hey, man, scores mm-hmm. keep climbing up. I that means to me, it's uh, we got some exciting football going on. I like seeing high score and high flying, fast action, non stop quality arena football. Huh? And we got that in both games this week, especially in Carolina and, of course, in Orlando. But before we get into everything, ladies and gentlemen, remember to follow us on Twitter, social on all social media podcast platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, at Pod. And also, if you can't find our videos on our YouTube page, you can go to one source, nationalarenaleague.com, for your updated Inside the Walls podcast Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Remember, yep. three days, ladies and gentlemen, of NAL content leading into the weekend. And this week, you can literally pregame every single one of our shows this weekend before Friday's matchup in the National Arena League. So we got football this Friday here in the NAL. Um, first off, um, you know, Zach, you have a voice. Enjoy your time in Birmingham with your father on a good weekend. I know this is late for everyone out there, but to all of our fans, listeners, Happy belated, belated Mother's Day. Hope you guys spend time with your families and hopefully right. everyone enjoyed everything. Um, also, hello, YouTubers. Got to do that last week. Um, I'm in a unique situation. I am mobile right now. Um, just sometimes I got to, you know, move this studio into my vehicle. And for a lot of our listeners out there, you go, oh, James is in his truck again. So it most likely is, <laughs> of course, you see, not, not really great sound quality today. But anyways, man, um, very interactive. A lot of things popped up this weekend that we might have to touch on that was honestly critical, <laughs> game-determining. Uh, That's true. Momentum-changing. It's something that, as the official podcast at NAL, it's going to be hard for us to tell you what we think without backing up information, but what we saw in Orlando – and then midway through the third quarter, we, we, everyone could see it. It was a questionable call. So let's start off with the Orlando game down in lovely Atlanta, Florida, of course, where the Orlando Predators took on the Albany Empire. Final score, 78-61, was the Albany Empire victory. Again, like we said last week in the final walkthrough, it's going to be hard for Albany to – not Albany, excuse me – Orlando to keep up with Albany with Albany's firepower. Even without Antoine Grant, he was determined out for that game. Dealing with a little bit of injury, I think he'll be back for the 21st matchup against the Sharks, but we don't know. That's not an official word yet. But again, back-to-back weeks, good performance by Sam Supernova, a.k.a. Castronova. Uh, <laughs> he did, a, again, a, a great job. Uh, homeboy was dancing in the end zone. Uh, he was doing a very impressive 
honestly, the offense of Albany has impressed me in the last two weeks because of him. And you flip the field, look at Orlando. What a difference playing on your home field does. What a performance by Cato. What a performance by Outlaw. Orlando punched Albany in the mouth every second of that game until about nine minutes left in the third quarter because of a key situation. But let's, let's talk about the game prior, before that point. Impressed yeah. by Orlando. Impressed by Coach Higgins. Impressed by how Cato listened to our advice, hopefully. Thank you, Cato, for listening to our podcast. Um, stayed calm in the pocket, moved up in the pocket, read the field better, didn't scramble out of the pocket. He wasn't seeing ghosts. As the game progressed, you could tell that he was trying to make a lot of plays out with his feet uh, because the situation just determined that he had to do it. And that usually happens when you get far behind of a team like Albany or it gets any team. But Orlando did exactly what me and you thought they were going to do. Play a tough game, but run out of the gas. Like they basically, basically the script that we both predicted. What do you think about that game, Hamza? Yeah, I mean, Orlando did what it needed to do, at least through the first half. Actually got out early out of the gate with a 13-0 run. Um, defensively had some had a nice stop or two to get going. Um, it's just that you have to be able to maintain momentum against the Empire. That's there, that's really the key there. Um, you have to take advantage mainly of you know leaky pass defense that they do have. You know, truth being that is their weakness, that is their weakness. They're one of the worst in the league at that section, I will say. Um, and I mean, they, you know, Orlando first half definitely took it to them. I mean, they came out, they came out swinging, they had the halftime lead midway through third quarter still was keeping pace really well. It's just that, uh, of course, Seattle Roscoe, they're draining deuces to, uh, get the third quarter going, which, Hey, mm-hmm. first deuces of the season landing. So that was really nice to see getting that going back again. Um, but I'll tell you the predators, you know, I think really killed them for the most part is really the crucial point we're going to discuss here on today's show is that I'll, I'll say it blatantly missed offsides penalty. Um, it wasn't a fumble. Uh, that is the, that is one of the most atrocious missed calls mm-hmm. uh, I've seen not only in arena, but in football uh, that I've ever seen. That was, it was an obvious offsides. Uh, there was yeah. never a snap and he, it, you couldn't like, even, even if you wanted to argue, it was like, maybe that it was a snap infraction. It wasn't because the, Dequan Murray gets blown up in this situation and there's just, it's chaos. The, the, the fishing crew didn't take advantage, didn't take control of the situation. And I don't know what happened, but somebody must've been looking away when they were watching this, because it's very clearly not even close to a bang, bang situation. It it's flat out that entire empire front three just jumps the gun forces mm-hmm. a fumble because Cato doesn't expect to have Murray in his lap. And then nothing's made of it after Nick Haig <laughs> recovers the fumble in the end zone. It's just like, Oh Yeah. It's totally a TD, and we can't go back on that now because we've said it. Even though you have Jeff Higgins arguing to the ref, like, "Hey, I can't even throw a damn flag on, on this or something like that." They didn't do anything; they just let it go. Um, and I think that was what's. It was really upsetting to see that actually, because I mean, up to that point, it was a very competitive contest. I'm not saying that the Predators couldn't have recovered. You know, they mm-hmm. did go down two scores later on after that, but really, that was the turning point, and it's an ugly turning point for a point in the league that I know people complain about enough, but it doesn't help. And you see instances where even I'd be throwing, even I'd be blowing the whistle at that point and throwing a yellow flag. You know, it's, it's very obvious. Um, yeah. the, I mean, the predators, you got to give them credit. They did what they could, you know, but 
once you're up, I mean, once you get up for a team like Albany who can get up, if they're up by multiple possessions, and even if you're trying to keep pace with them, even if you're taking advantage of that leaky defense, and you're getting behind Prince or Hobbs or whoever you want, like say Larry Beavers, great job, of course, on Saturday night. Did it played a hell of a game for the for the Predators, his best one so far this season. Rakeem Cato took our advice, like you were hinting at, stayed in the pocket well, delivered the ball, didn't try to scramble too much, you know, was focused more downfield when needed. It's just a shame to see that some bad calls in a game that very much is more so about the possession economy turns out to be what is more so the difference because Albany, they could have gone up and down the field all day. Mm-hmm. You know, they had that all Sam Castronova was able to find opening lanes. Darius Prince as usual balled out. Like he always does. I mean, what, what can you do at that point? You know, that fumble, it just feels worse, you know, mm-hmm. outdoor. Okay. Maybe you can get by a bad call. Like indoor in arena style, it just penalizes you way more than it should. And the league, I mean, the commissioner was at that game that talk about a bad look for the crew. Yeah. The commissioner sitting in your, on the sideline or really standing on the sideline watching as this is becoming a mess. <laughs> but I mean, how do you explain that to him after the game? Because he's going to obviously probably talk to the crew was like, Hey, what the mm-hmm. hell happened there? You know, <laughs> how do you explain well, that? It, it, it's hard to explain because Usually turnover, well, not usually, turnovers do determine outcomes of the game, especially in the arena game. A turnover is killing two possessions because in the, in the arena game, it's battle possessions. The more possessions you get, the more chance you can win. Yes. This, this play right here was so obvious where when I watched the game, I could tell that the Orlando crowd started to leave the building after that play. And it was only a one possession game. Was it was it was such a momentum killer for Orlando that that play, and I guarantee we're gonna have people who question this podcast. Is like you're just being homers for the Orlando Predators. Okay, I'm a are, diehard are Sharks fan. I mean, yeah. Say, are we look um, at the just look at the film? Just look if at you the watch film. any football game. Well, I can like, tell you right that's offsides. I I guarantee you right now, ladies and gentlemen, you don't see me and Zach. You see the highlights of that game, most likely that scene of that play, and. The offensive line of Orlando a really more neutral zone fraction. Nonetheless, it's still like it's one still, of the it's defensive line issue right there. That, but the that or, was a complete flag. <laughs> but the Orla- Orlando offensive line was obliterated on that play. None of the Orlando players moved. The whole Albany defense just went right through the play. And oh, touchdown! And the rest through like when I watched it, I'm like, okay. I didn't when it happened. I was watching the Carolina game. I'm like, okay, I gotta have to watch during the halftime, whatever. See what's going on. And I watched him like, this is Pop Warner type of stuff. Yes. Like, this should be called no matter what. And, and Higgins, I know you can see the frustrations from Higgins. And what is, what is so difficult to see is that we can review penalties for jack-in-the-box, illegal defense, but a blatant, clearly offsides on the defense. Ball was never snapped. Yeah, it might be a false start because that usually happens where the if it's a snapper fraction, then I understand, but you don't score a touchdown off a snapper fraction. That's a five yard penalty. Yeah. This was completely no snap, fumble. The ball didn't even get off the ground. It was kicked by, I forgot who the D lineman was for um, the Albany Empire that moved the ball in the backfield where then Nick Hag took the ball and scored well, a touchdown. Say it was C-say, if I yeah, remember C-say, right. Okay. Um, but still, it was. There are certain things in the league, no matter if it's 
National Football League or the Canadian Football League or any other league. This is a common rule that it's universal throughout all leagues, even in Europe. Snap infraction, false start. Offside defense, five-yard penalty. Yep. There's no turnovers in those penalties, no situations. Was this a blown call by the referees? Yes. It was obvious. Yes. Is it our job as people in the podcast world, especially that cover the National Arena League, to call out the rest in this situation? Kind of. That was a determining point in this game, period. It was an exciting arena football game going back and forth, haymaker at haymaker. This game was going to be 78-71 final, down to the last possession. That fumble right there turned a close game in the fourth quarter to a comfortable breeze by Albany. Not taking any away from Albany. You guys capitalized on a ref mistake, but the rest of the game, you just had the advantage from that one mistake by the refs. You would have won. I think me and Zach would have both agree that you would have won this game no matter what. You had more talent. But these plays were like, as fans of any football league, we always look at the NFL. Remember in New Orleans, uh, Saints, LA Rams football getting an NFC championship year game a couple of years ago where the receiver got completely knocked out before the ball even got there? Mm-hmm. That should have been a pass interference, first and goal for the Saints. And they would have gone to the Super Bowl besides the Rams that year. They would have lost to the Patriots. But still, that year, that critical penalty was not thrown. This case, no flag was thrown, and it was a determining factor of who was going to win the game. Would have, would, if this play ha- would have stayed the same, would Orlando would have done the game? We won't know because it was a one-possession game. Haymaker after haymaker after haymaker was going. After this play happened, I think Orlando scored maybe two more touchdowns the rest of the game, and Albany just cruised to a victory. It's it's not me. I'm like, how can I phrase this? It, that play, that call ruined the whole entire game, in my opinion. Completely it ruined, ruined it. It ruined the taste in the mouth of, yeah. I think, folks that were there. Uh, I mean, if you're, I mean, there were, there were some people, you know, watching it that they did leave after that. I mean, because it's, it's ugly. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. it's just not, that's just blatantly bad officiating right there. Um, and I mean, that's, that doesn't look well for, the league when you see stuff like that i'll be frank yeah. um the league knows that you know i'm pretty damn sure they do at least the league and, knows yes yeah, yes I mean, we're, so we're, you're not we're, gonna, not we're not being a dead horse yeah i mean <laughs> so you're not that i mean you can't walk away like you can't walk away from that game going go at the end of it at least go man that was that was uh, all over all, overall pretty good i mean i it sucks that one call changes the course of it mm-hmm. you know like that and it's it and how blatantly bad it was um thing is i mean i guess I leave the contest like I, I I knew what Albany was going in, and they kind of just showed they're the same thing they've been this whole time. Even last, they're really like last year as well, but you know they've adapted a little. Sam Castronova stepped up; he's got weapons he can throw to consistently. His line helps him out a lot more this year than in Carolina yeah. last year, and he's looking at the field a lot better. So he's been an upgrade upgrade for them at least, and he's getting along at least better it seems in uh, Albany yep. than it was things were going week one. Um, but as we know, empire's defense is going to give up points. Thing is though, they're like, okay, great. We'll give you stuff up on the back end, but you're, if you better not slip up because we're going to mm-hmm. burn you if you do. And sure enough, that's Albany's game plan. Just outrun yep. you Orlando. I mean, Hey, they took plenty of strides this week. 
even if you credit Albany with a leaky defense, Rakeem Cato looked a lot smoother. Like I said, Larry Beaver stepped mm-hmm. up in a big way. Uh, that offense looks like it took a lot of strides. Yeah. I, I mean, they're one and two, but my confidence level, at least moving forward this week, will at least show when we talk later and later on. Uh, good stuff yeah. overall. That, well, that, I, I still get good vibes, even for what's it's out of their control. Some things that yeah. were factors um, defensively. I mean, hey, you know. What you gotta what can you do? But you gotta, I mean, still gotta shore up when it's necessary, I guess. Well, they also have Carolina next week. We'll talk about right. on uh the final walkthrough. Can't let's see how they make adjustments again the second time they play Carolina. But that game, beside we can throw that one significant play out. We we already talked about it. We know it's a big deal, it was a big factor in determining the outcome of the game. I mean yeah. for a lot of people say one play doesn't determine outcome. That was kind of significant. Um, Orlando just ran out of gas after that point, and it happens. Uh, but overall, Orlando, for some odd reason, we saw it last year, and then you see it this year. They just play Albany tough. Last year was the same way. They played – well, they had Brian Hicks last year, the team last year, but still right. – they went blow for blow for blow to Albany until they ran out of the gas in the second half. It seems like the Orlando narrative from last year to this year is starting to creep in again. Sluggish start of the season. They find themselves midway through the year. Then they, at the second half, push forward to the playoffs. We could see that. I mean, they might. I, I'm. I'm gonna. It might. If it has to come down to. Uh... If that's come down to the two rivalry matches against the Sharks, that'll be some fascinating stuff if it's the same pattern. Because, um, I mean, I'm telling you, the Sharks need to, <laughs> need to get some wins yeah. going later on in this schedule now. Yeah, uh, it, it, <laughs> trust me, I know. Uh, but let's wrap it up on this game. Um, again, I don't know how much praise we can give Sam Castronova. Complete night and day from last season. Absolutely. Uh, Darius Prince was doing Darius Prince things again. Uh, a couple of things that popped out for me that really intrigued, intrigued me about this game was Nick Hag. Again, I think he is, honestly, he was everywhere on defense throughout the entire game, no matter what happened in third quarter. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure Albany, Albany's defense, yes, is a little leaky. But they, again, what you mentioned earlier, Zach, they can outpower you just by their roster, period. Uh, we've said it before multiple times. I've said it. I think, again, Homer here. Jackson has the better Ironman roster, but Albany has the better overall roster. Um, and you saw that again here in Orlando. Orlando, I think they're maybe one or two players away uh, to get him back to what they were last year. And those players are returning. We've had people confirm us right. that they are returning. It's Still just a few stars coming back. So um, they'll be back in time. Um, but for Albany, Finally, we get some deuces. Hallelujah. Uh, that's a miss that in the game. We finally got some. So, holy deuce twice in, in Albany. Uh, yeah, there are rumors and speculations about it. We got deuces. That's the only thing I care about. Um, but also, one thing that I want to give a shout-out to is the fan support in Orlando. Thank you for showing out, buying tickets. Uh, an unofficial number was uh, 3,200 people showed up to the Amway Center for the home opener, which is a hell of a lot better than 2019 crowds, um, which is really appreciative. Uh, 
still got to get that number up for the Predators and the Jungle. But it's good to have every team finally had a home game. And Orlando didn't disappoint with the attendance number, uh, which was I mean, you expected that they, oh, they do a great the, job. Down the, there. the jungle was definitely packed in uh, for what was it's also a beautiful arena. Amway arena is such a mm-hmm. beautiful building. Right. I mean, Hey, I'll tell you if I'm, I'd be buying, cause I see, you know, you show the shots around the stadium. I mean, mm-hmm. those, those sweet passes you get with the nice, like armrest chairs and the cup holders. Oh yeah. I definitely, if I was in Orlando, I'd be buying those tickets. <laughs> so you'll be, that you'll be hear s- that or I'm partying down with the uh, hardcore guys right on right on the boards, you know, like one of the two. Either yeah. I'm going real fancy and bougie, or I'm getting right on the boards waiting for like Larry Beavers or Lonnie Outlaw to land in my lap. And be like, hey man, great catch. <laughs> Gotta get back out there. Now you gotta <laughs> throw the guy worth. back. You gotta throw got the my, guy back. Got my money's worth. <laughs> Can I have the ball? Um, <laughs> for me, it'd be different. Be like, what? What, what are you doing? Get off of me, man. I'm, I'm, you're ruining the game for me. I can't see. <laughs> Did you uh, get the first down? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's uh, some great seats in Amway. I think they have what the, the uh, they have the predator zone that's in one of the end zones. Like every team has their little thing. I know yeah. sharks have the, the reef and the cove and the predators, uh, not the predators. Um, I think the, Lions have one, their suites there, and they get the party pit up in the Albany. Uh, so yeah, those are some great seats. And if you ever, and fans, if you listen to our show and you still haven't listened or, or still haven't gone to NAL game, don't worry. If you like and subscribe this link right here in our YouTube page, and we get to a hundred followers, yep. one of you out there is going to win two tickets to your game of choosing. No, right. we're not. We're not going to give you field pass tickets. Don't think that we're not giving you sweet tickets just yet. Just normal two tickets to any NAL game um, that you want to go to. And if you win and don't get it, you're not we're near an NAL team like Zach is. You'll get an NAL hat around the same value for it. We'll get it for you. We'll call our connections and they may actually give it to you. So, um, but that is a thing for us. Our contest get us to 100. Uh, subscribers here on YouTube at Inside the Walls uh, slash YouTube or YouTube.com slash Inside the Walls. We're at 65 yes. at, at the recording of this video. So we're getting close, getting close. Just need 35 more to go and boom, someone will win it. And remember, if you're subscribed, like that bell because as a good podcast out there will say, it builds morale. There you <laughs> so, go. You're, you're making uh, someone very happy right now. Um, yeah. Um, do we get a bursman from that, by the way? Do you do that over there too? Just saying. Yeah, I do it. I mean, I, I, I do it every now and then when I get a chance, he makes me do it the same way. So, um, but still builds morale, help support the show. Um, but overall this podcast, we're two fans who love the sport, who are associated and in the official podcast in the national arena league. But we want to tell you fans that, we hear you. We know your pain and suffering from certain rules, certain things. There's we're your voice. So the people yes. that we talk to and ask us questions, we get it from you. So with that, leave a comment, DM us, email us, and we will send that information to the people that are in charge. And hopefully we can bring back an answer to make you guys more informed. Yes, we're an NAL podcast covering the National Arena League, but we're also your voice to the management, to the ownership, to the commissioner, and to the entire league. So, That's right. 
just not like and subscribe, you know, click that bell, builds morale. But we also give the intel to the people who are in charge that make this game better. Because in 2023, 2024, 2025, it's because you, the listeners, make the game better. So with that, let's go to game number two of last weekend. And um, can I just leave now? I don't want to talk about it. I really nah, don't. <laughs> we, got, I'm going to keep you right here front and center because, I mean, hey, what it's like now it's become the motto for the Sharks. Close, mm-hmm. but no cigar, my friend. Yep. One possession yep. loss is all three. This time, right. no overtime, though. So it's not as, I mean, I, I would say it's still painful, but it's not like you're losing on a bad kick or a fourth and goal and you can't yeah. convert it. This time, it's just possession game lost you the game. Yeah, well, front and front and center. That's what I'm telling. That's the tagline. Possession economy favors the Cobras. End of story. (laughs) Or or the great phrase that's heard around all sports. This is the best 0-3 team that everyone's played. Yes, it is. The Carolina Cobras broadcast said that in the game, and I just wanted to choke everyone on that broadcast. I'm like, (laughs) 0-3 is 0-3, Matt. You're 0-3, but for the Sharks, they did play Carolina, they did play Columbus, and they did play Auburn. Yeah, they played. They played the top. Guess who their next three opponents? Guess who the next three points are? Albany, Columbus, Columbus Carolina. Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> there we go again. So there is a chance that the Jacksonville Sharks could start zero six. Ooh, that's rough, buddy. We got a road game to Albany in a couple of weeks. Got a road game back back in Carolina. Home this weekend and this Saturday against the Columbus Lions for the rivalry chapter 14 yeah. height video coming this week, presented by Inside the Walls Podcast. It's gonna be unique. There are some situations behind the scenes about why a certain quarterback wasn't dressed out this weekend oh, we for the Sharks. It, we can say who it is, it's official now. Oh, yeah, it's official, but still, yeah, Mike Faithful did not make the trip to uh Carolina. Uh, Mike only Henry did start. Malik Henry didn't look bad, but Malik Henry did Malik Henry things this weekend. Yes, he did. And But one thing he did do and, and was much improved on is he threw the check down routes a lot throughout the game, which he didn't do against Albany the previous week. Unfortunately, like what you just said, 0-3, you know, we're the best 0-3 team in the league because we're the only 0-3 team in the league. Uh, based on the standings, we're last place. And we had a listener slash friend of the show say that since the 2019 NAL championship game, the Jacksonville Sharks are two and nine. It's been a road. That's all I can tell you. It's been a road and a good road. Ain't paved. Ain't been paved no. with uh, asphalt so, and smooth drives. But so since so since the 2019 championship, the Jacksonville Sharks have involved and have created their identity to be like their NFL neighbor in the same city. Yes. They're two and nine. They're the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, man. Is there a Trevor Lawrence in the NAL or something like that? Oh, I, look, um, I mean, look, they, they, they're not wrong, though. Best 3-0 and o, or 0-3 and three team in yeah. the NAL right now. I mean, they came up, they came up against basically a, a slightly modified Sharks roster that they played in Carolina again. Oh, I, say I, was, it. I was seeing flashbacks there, dude. I know. I was like yeah, Jonathan I, Bain, Zach Brown, like. What? <laughs> I, I say it. You know, I, I've said in shows this. They played their sister team, who right now yeah. is the better of the two. 
Um, and you know, quite frankly, the Cobras, they have it all together. Again, all the pieces of that roster fitting perfectly. Um, main thing for them that, you know, what they did, they had one or two crucial moments, like any arena mm-hmm. game that kind of decided it. You had an early interception. Um, Devin Wilson was fighting, <laughs> fighting for the ball there. Yep. Um, lost out going down to the ground, unfortunately. And things just kind of tipped the scales into the Cobra's favor there. That, that simply mm-hmm. is it. I believe it was uh, Trevante Long, I think, that got that interception yeah. that I'm talking about. And really, that that's kind of what set the tone. You got you get 7-0 up, and then essentially it was back and forth scoring for the majority of that contest. Cobras eventually get one extra possession. Sharks come back. They have an onside they can take. Things don't go their way. Yeah. You know. Again, they're playing these teams close. It's just it's coming down now to a few moments that are separating the winners and the losers in an arena style. Mm-hmm. One possession favors the favors the outcomes of most of these contests a lot of times. That time it just happened to be that Trevante Long had a bit better of a grip on a football and a check down than Devin Wilson did. Amazing how things can flip off the switch. And that was yeah. early, too. That was first quarter. Like, it was still 0-0. Sharks had the ball driving. Of course, Jonathan Bay and company turned right back around, blast that thing down the field. Yeah. And now we're back on to the who's who's going to have that last possession going to halftime, you know? Yeah, the Carolina Cobras proved again this week that they're the best team. Um, mm-hmm. There's Carolina, and you have three teams, three, four teams, and the muck, and, and you get Jacksonville. <laughs> you get Jacksonville, yeah. And you got Jacksonville. Um, but one thing that needs to, needs to be knows, noticed about Jacksonville, some highlight things, I've been had a lot of people ask me to do research, got a finally confirmed source. Um, Devin Wilson is on a like a epic touchdown receiving streak yes, right he now. Is. Um currently 30 games he has caught a touchdown in the NL. That's incredible. Now, I don't yeah. care it's what, what league it's in, what sport. 30 games. We we brag about baseball hitters going oh he's hit 12 games in a row or 12 20 games in a row right but 30 games he's caught a touchdown for the jackson sharks that's impressive and i got confirmed sources from this that is of course the current record and he breaks it every time he scores a touchdown i think the nearest one is darius prince and i think that's he's at nine so that's still Impressive, but 30 games is pretty impressive for Devin Wilson. So there's a bright side to that. Also, another bright side for Jacksonville in this game was again, yes, they're 0-3. Yes, it's a you know hard pill to swallow. They're not getting blown out in any no. of these games they've lost to. Um, they've been down by 14 points or more in all three games. Um, and they also, or excuse me, two out of three games, and they blew a 14-point lead in Columbus in week one. But one thing you see here in Carolina, they were down 14 points twice. And they got back in the game twice. Had potential to get an onside kick and possibly maybe have one help Barry for the win, which has happened before. Just ask the uh, Blizzards up in the in Green Bay a couple of weeks ago. That was incredible. I know <laughs> we don't mention that's the other league, but still, it can happen. One second left, chuck it up. Miracles can happen. Um. But one thing that stood out for the Jacksonville Sharks is even though Malik Henry did have a bad start to start the game, he calmed down the rest of the way. And actually, you can tell he's getting better the more time he gets out there. A lot of Shark fans want to bench him already. So get him 
get him gone, go. Well, yeah. But you had Damian May as your backup. Mike Faithful was not there. And I know there's a lot of Shark fans out there wondering what this team will look like with Mike Faithful. And I'll just say to the Shark fans out there, wait and see. Man, I'm going to be honest, kind of surprised me that he uh, wasn't actually there. Um, I mean, were, I mean, my understanding was that he was already practicing with. Yeah, that's, you know, I thought already heard he was. was. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, of course, give sometimes a little, little more time. It's fine. I mean, to be frank, they're coming home to the Shark Tank. They're going to play the Lions. Um, and I'm being, I'll be honest, this is no slight on the Lions, but this is probably the best game for you to put Faithful back in. Mm-hmm. You know, Columbus has been, I mean, they got, of course, they they have their two, two and oh streak right now, but yeah, I'm not saying that they're the most powerful of the big guys and they lost an overtime fight. Um, you're gonna get a more experienced quarterback in there with the home crowd behind you. Um, this that might be a get right game when we later talk on Friday, but uh I mean, if, if that's the theory that was going behind it and you want to you want the backup that might be more your future there if he stays around in the game mm-hmm. to get a little more reps, okay, that's fine. You know, your starter wasn't ready, sure. Yeah, I get that. Just thought I just thought myself, and we even said too, like, hey, maybe he's ready to go, you know, get this going. Want to you don't want to be through oh and three here, you know, mm-hmm. credit 14 game season for you and the your opponent, but still. Yeah. Uh, but for Jacksonville, that the first six weeks is so tough for them. You got to find a way to steal a victory somewhere. Yes, yes. One in five in the first six weeks, yeah, kind of bad. Then you have gunslingers, predators, lines again. Gunslingers, gunslingers, uh, gunslingers, predators, predators, predators. Like you play the predators three times in, in a four week span with a gunslinger slinger. So you got a four week span with three of those four being at home. You have a chance if you still won against Columbus or still won against Carolina in two weeks or scare or three weeks or scare one in Albany, and you find a way to go two and four in this first six weeks, you can feast on that second half of the schedule because it's so home based that by time this time late June or early early July, we're talking about, we're looking at the Sharks so fight not fighting for a third seed or a four seed. They're completely at that seed, and no, they're not going to fall because how they feasting on the rest of the schedule. Oh yeah, out, out of the six teams that Jacksonville, the three teams Jacksonville's going to play over the next over the six weeks in Albany, Carolina, and Columbus. Columbus is their get right game, of course, at home, but also that Week Nine matchup in Columbus could be whoever wins that game wins the season series, but also it could be where it could be a Mike faithful led shark team going in there and if you can find a way to go four and oh in june and after stealing those two games or a game here in this six week stand you look at the record go wow they're you're five and six and just a couple weeks ago we're talking about how they're one and five so it can flip on a dime and remember top four make the playoffs in the 16 league uh, so it's very achievable. The Sharks can bounce back and feast off of that second half of the schedule. And of course, they play Carolina two more times in that stretch in the late half, but it's in Jacksonville, not in Carolina. So Jacksonville has a lot more home games in his back half than they do in the first half that will help them. And as you can tell against the Albany Empire last week, they play they play better at home. And it's always – They do. And that will benefit them. But for also, let's flip the field to Carolina. Yeah. Um, if there was an MVP right now, uh, besides Iron Man Award, the MVP of the NAL, in my opinion, right now is Jonathan Bay. This guy is almost 
playing near perfect football. He had a couple of mistakes the last week against the Predators, but he right now, how his offense is built, the weapons he has, DJ Myers was looking good. Kendrick Ames was looking unstoppable. Looked like Jackson could tackle the dude. Mm-hmm. And of course, he has a fullback slash linebacker that's just dominating. And um, I, I can't stand it, but Zach Brown is doing work for the Carolina Cobras. And uh, Coach Rez is doing a great time preparing his team. It's amazing that this time last year, we were bashing Carolina for being the worst team in the league because of maybe bad coaching or bad league operation or team operations or just overall roster night and day comparison. Now they're the best team in the league. And we said this off air. Uh, and I think we, I'm going to make it public right now. And you can bash me, ladies and gentlemen, but James doesn't know what you're talking about. Jim doesn't want to talk about. He's just a shark fan. Well, if Carolina doesn't win the whole thing, it might be a failure of the season. Uh, every team they've played so far, in my opinion, they've handled. Yes. The scores don't look like it at the end, They've handled it, and that's the result of an experienced team, a great roster, and they don't kill themselves. They don't make mistakes, and it's early in the season. Of course, I just made that statement. It's early in the season, but tell me another team out there you think can go match up with Carolina blow by blow right now and can can come down to the wire and beat them. Jacksonville did, but the game seemed like it was never – out of, out of the hands of Carolina. It looked like the, the Cobras had complete control of that game, same like they did in Albany, and same like they did against Orlando a few two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. This week, they're going to Orlando. So let's just see how that, you know, the narrative switch. We'll talk about that game on Friday. But this game for Carolina, it seemed like their goal was to just how you can see how they were preparing the game and going up against the Sharks. They were betting literally they're betting Malik Henry to throw deep. Yeah. And if you look at the even Devin Wilson, he was basically a no show until the second half. And Carolina took the main weapon out. They were trying to say Rob Jones beat us. McGee beat us. So uh uh Naquan Murray beat us. Murray, yeah. They shut them down. They took him out of the game. And you're telling me that you know Joe Powell Mishan Robinson, uh, DJ Myers, Zach Brown, they were doing work on defense and on offense. They completely shut down Jackson's offense, even though the game at some points looked like it was one possession, but there was really no threat of the Sharks to win that game in Carolina. And you look at that Carolina team, right now they're better overall team in the league right now, and they're just showing it each and every week. And like this week against Sharks, Yes, they made mistakes, and they capitalized. Carolina made a few mistakes and didn't cost them anything. That's a championship-run team. Honestly, right now, if the playoffs started right now, Carolina wins his hands down. I don't think no team beats them. Um, really? That's, I find uh, that fascinating because, I mean, look, I, I want to see the rematch with Castronova behind center and, and mm-hmm. over Mike Faith. Because, again, I mean, we talked, like, look, that week one matchup, that reminded me a lot of what happened that first meeting last year with the empire against the sharks, completely mm-hmm. sloppy play, a lot of missed opportunities. I mean, look, and I, I, I speak a lot in that leaky defense, but I'm telling you if that offense in Albany's clicking, and it's not making mistakes or silly miscues. 
and the Iron Man and the Iron Man substitution rules aren't stopping the game all mm-hmm. the time, and you aren't losing momentum. That's the one I'm telling you. We're, I'm waiting for that rematch right now. You know. Well, that's in I think three weeks is Albany, Carolina round two. They play each other three times this year. Mm-hmm. So the next matchup, it's in I think it's in Albany is the next matchup, and then the final ones just two weeks after that in Carolina. So does Albany even the series? So that'd be a unique conversation when we get to that point. Um. Yeah, I want to, I want to, again, oh, I just yeah, said how. Yeah, yeah we got to wait till start. June. We got to wait till June 4th back in Albany to see that, you know, but okay. I mean, so yeah, I'm that's... telling you, it's, that is one I want to, I'm intrigued because now the, the script has changed, different mm-hmm. scenario, different QB behind center now. Um, it's just going to come down to better execution this time. Around. Yeah. Week one jitters are gone. Yeah. Is all. So, yeah. So Albany, I guarantee a lot of Albany fans and, you know, players don't do. They only go, we're going one and oh this week. Right now, from Albany, they're looking forward to Jacksonville two weeks because they're in the bye week. So they don't mm-hmm. have to worry about the bye. Um, but for Carolina, they got to get ready for Orlando. Jacksonville has to get ready for Columbus. But for that rematch, that'd be if everything keeps going how way it's going right now, possibly a one loss Albany against an undefeated Carolina team will be a very big time game. Only if we did like an NAL game day, that'd be pretty awesome. Go, oh, this is a must right. game go go to, but no, we're not ESPN. We don't have that type of money to go live on scene. But yeah, that'd be intriguing. And yes, I want to see a new Castronova. But you mentioned Castronova. You want to see Castronova versus Carolina again? I want to see a shark led team with Faithful. Well, that's another. Again, that's the big curveball we're going to be seeing for mm-hmm. some of these teams that come this week. Is I mean, yeah. Look, I'm, unless I'm crazy, they're going to start faithful next week. I, I don't. That, I have no I sources on that matter, so that's. Not I know, me. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm saying unless I'm crazy, because I ain't. I didn't tell you it's confirmed at all. No, no. But quite frankly, I mean, look, it's just it would seem ridiculous at this point if you didn't look. Even you can justify what they're zero and three, or they're zero and three. Let's make a change up, like that. Yeah. Even just that base notion of we're down, we need to find some sort of spark before the season gets away from us. Uh, and we're, as you're talking about, correct. They're playing the roughest part of their schedule to start mm-hmm. the year. They've lost all three. They need something that they traded. They for need to, credit. they need to steal yeah. a win somewhere. Right. Where are you going to steal a win? Um, Possibly I mean, hey, home against they, Columbus. Right. I think them or Albany, they, you know, honestly, all three of them, they played tough. So, you know, I think, I mean, best, best Owen three team right now is a very, very true statement just because. Mm-hmm. Honestly, one good component change or one one or two better executed plays or just less penalties, which is something that Sharks fans have been complaining a lot about, is that seems yeah. like the Sharks are getting penalized a lot more this year. Um, cleaner football. I mean, these games can flip on you. You know, we could be seeing them three and three in a few weeks here, Jim. I, I could see it realistically happening. Maybe two and four just because Carolina, I mean, hey, but – well, one thing about arena football and one thing about football period, it's very hard to go undefeated. And you play a team multiple times, it's very hard to beat them back-to-back times. Jacksonville mm-hmm. Carolina played each other four times this year. Jacksonville's going to find a way to steal one of those four, I bet you. And it's I, either I they, in Jack. Yeah, I think they can get one. I'm telling you. They'll find, well, they'll find I, some way. It's... It's as a shark fan, this is unique territory. This is 0 and 3 start. This is, um, I said it was our first time starting 0 and 3 last year. I did more research. It's actually our, going to be our second, it's our second time starting 0 and 3. 
And if we lose this week against Columbus, it's our second time going four. Mm-hmm. It's the same year. It was 20, uh, 2012. We started 0-4. Uh, uh, no, 2016, excuse me, 0-4. Yes, 2016. And that's right. That's right. It's this un- unique territory. Now, I know there's a lot of fans out there, especially Columbus fans right now. It's like, get off your high horse, Jacksonville. You're a privileged fan base. Yes, well, I know we're a privileged fan base. We don't lose. It's like we we deal with the 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 crap that's across the street for falls. We're we're used to being eliminated from the postseason after week three of the NFL season. We're used to that here at Jackson. Mm-hmm. Not in our arena team. We're not used to this. We're not used to this 0 3, 0 4 start. And like what you said, a spark is a faithful quarterback led shark team. The spark is needed to not make Jacksonville a championship contender, but make Jacksonville a team that competes for not just a playoff spot, but try and go after that second seed. Can they do that? I know 0-3 and Columbus is 2-0, 0-3 right now. We're only two and a half games behind Columbus, and the win over Columbus this weekend, which we'll talk about on Friday's show, could change the narrative to what it looks like. But for yeah. Jacksonville, I know Jacksonville fans were, were depressed right now. 0-3 start. But I look at that schedule, like what you just said, said 2-4. and four. Just find a way to give me a win out of this first six weeks. Just give me a win and feast on that second half of that schedule. Because I'm going to tell you right now, uh, even though Orlando looked pretty impressive against Carolina or against Orlando, or I mean, excuse me, against Albany, Orlando being impressive. All the, there we go. Um I still think the Sharks are a way better team than San Antonio. I just, I do. I, it's, there's, I mean, I'm there, not even going to argue with you on that. <laughs> there, there, there's five solid wins coming up for the Sharks, in my opinion, in the second half of the schedule. You find a way to steal one of these six and possibly steal the road game in another game, in Car- a game against Carolina, possibly in the second half. There you are, seven and seven at the end of the year, possibly eight and six. So you can do something, but you got to find a way. To still win now. If they go three and three, dude, you how you just said go three and three in the next three games, and after week six we're three and three. I'm literally going to buy you a lifetime, not lifetime. I'm going to literally buy you uh, four four packs of Pepsi Max, not sponsored. I'm not uh, Pepsi <laughs> uh, Nitro Nitro Pepsi. Okay. Uh, I mean, if yeah. that happens, I'm going to do like I bless you, bless you, bless you. If you're buying me Pepsi Max, I'm going to be like, how old are those things? Because it's not Pepsi Max anymore, my friend. But, hey, Pepsi Nitro, though, yeah, not not sponsored, by the way. Not sponsored. I mean, hey, I'll I'll take those, man. Those are good. Again, not sponsored. I think they're a sponsor of the – I think Pepsi's a sponsor of Columbus, I think. But they're not sponsored of this podcast. Right, no, no, they they, they have have a little – they got a patch. They got one of those patches, you know. Um, That's if if they go three and three. So, uh, but when we get to talk about that on Friday, about breaking down the rivalry between the Columbus Lions and the Jackson Sharks, did get a question from a fan. Uh, well, we're into that on Friday. It's about who, what are the rivals of the National Arena? Who are the rivalries? I'm like, well, if there's three, maybe. Right. I mean, but hey, folks, the rivalry think- is between Columbus and Jacksonville. It's the prominent one that can't happen in, from day one of the league. But overall, this weekend, from the the chatter that we got from the the YouTube page, the YouTube chat, one thing the community really just want to say to the people out there that I chatted with, that was me on the chat. Zach was enjoying time with his dad at the USFL games this weekend. 
I want to say to the people who messaged me, asked me questions on both the Orlando chat and the Jacksonville Carolina chat rooms, uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, yes, uh, thank you for uh, as, coming to me for questions. Like, right. what's going on in the league? Can you tell us this? There's some stuff that I couldn't answer um, because I legally can't say anything about it. <laughs> right. um, but thank you, uh, the community of the National Arena League, Thank you for reaching out to us and making us part of you, part of the community. And thank you for listening to us each week. We had two, we had over 280 downloads this week for our shows. Really appreciate it. That, that hits a mark for us. Uh, apparently, the three episodes per days are pretty kicking for the fans out there. And this week, I want to say that we do have Coach Rezanalo and Jonathan Bain coming to the show this week. Um, I've actually reached out to them. They said they will get it done. They apologized from last week, but we had breaking news. Mike Faithful, Warren Smith. Um, that show got 50-some downloads. I appreciate it. I really like that. Uh, I just want to say to the community out there, really appreciate the support. Thank you for making us your source for NAL News. And to the pe new people out there that are getting into the National Marine League, welcome to the Inside of Walls podcast, where we're here to talk about the games, the point about the games, Hype the games, and you can watch me get depressed about the Jackson Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just enjoying the league, man. I'm a, hey, you know, I'm I, I I think the closest I am by proxy is an Empire fan, but you know, but nonetheless, I mean, I'm just happy for the league. That's all it you is. You just made Goss happy. You'll be I, like, ooh, ooh. I, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I want, I just want to see every week good football and people that are checking out arena football because it, it's an underviewed sport to me. It's one that should still have as much of a luster and fandom as it did back in the day, because it's, it's as awesome as it, it's getting better and better in recent, in recent years. I'm telling you that I right totally now. Agreed. Yeah. I totally you know, agree. So it's great. Thanks. I mean, thanks for tuning in guys. Uh, and I'm glad that you know, it seems like a three show format is going to be here to stay. Um, we'll keep on doing that, giving you guys what you want in terms of recaps, previews, interviews weekly, um, again, we, we also apologize because we also had some miscommunication with, you know, Rez and Bain there ourselves. So this week, I'm looking forward to talking with both of them, especially it'll be a night and day conversation. It seems almost compared to last year where this time they're in the driver's seat, not the one sneaking in. Mm -hmm. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun and also been wanting to talk. You and I have been wanting to talk to Bain for a minute. So, I mean, we can't, we're too damn excited to get that one going as well. So on Thursday, Turf Talk, ladies and gentlemen, Jonathan Bain and Coach Rezanalo of the Carolina Cobras, the 3-0 Carolina Cobras, will join us. And on Friday in the final walkthrough, we'll break down two NAL action games, the rivalry between the Columbus Lions and the Jacksonville Sharks, Chapter 14. And also, does the Carolina Cobras take the 2-0 season sweep over the Orlando Predators as they match up in the Amway Center for number game number two between them? I'm Jim Renier. That's Zach Coleman. This is... Wednesday Rewind, and remember one thing. Ladies and gentlemen, be sure to not be a jack out of the box. You're going to get your throat messed up like I do right now, and you're going to be hating how you sound the next day. Seriously, guys, obey the NAL rules there. Don't be a jack out of the box. See you tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>